0: Hi, guys. We just wanted to let you know about our live podcast coming up on October 5th. It's going to be at Illuminated Brewworks, located at 6186 North Northwest Highway in Chicago's Northwest Side. Like I said, it's going to be Tuesday, October 5th at 6 o'clock. We're going to be doing a live podcast with Dan Trader, and you may remember him from episode 24 with Brian Wozniacki. He's the Special Forces Canine Handler. We're going to be raising money for the AFFI Warrior Program. It should be a good time, craft beer, podcasting, and you're going to get to meet some of the guests that you've heard on the show. So sit down, have a beer with them, talk to them. We'll see you there October 5th, 6 o'clock at Illuminated Brewworks, 6186 North Northwest Highway. And thanks again for supporting the show. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by the Frontline Team. Corey, you know so much about mortgage brokers, I can't even
1: begin to discuss it. And what I love about these guys is that they, they pretty much, they stick to the golden rule just like us Vince. Um Something that, that they have said over and over again is that if they, if they would do it for themselves or their family, that's the gold rule that they stick to when it comes to lending to, to individuals. So again, these guys are just class act guys. Um, we well, it's a
0: veteran-owned company. Yep. It's like like anything else in the fire department. You, you have a guy. So these are your guys. If mortgage, if you're in need of a mortgage, if you want to refinance or something like that, these are the guys. They've done a bunch of work with uh, other first responders. They know what's going on. And you get to work with guys like Joey Matthews, Josh Hill, uh, Local2Zone, Tom Kelly, Ivan and Danielle. Where can these guys get a hold of uh, Frontline Team? So we got their phone number, and their phone number is 630
1: 534 2900 You guys can also email them at the frontline team at the Federal That number 630-534-
0: 2900 hope is he that a 2900 wrote down <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's
1: close <laughs> text them just to make sure first um any any type of picture really they'll do Ah, accept it uh, again make sure to check out our guys over there at the front line team
0: <laughs> that one did not That's go gonna well need some cuts that did not go well <laughs>
1: one, four, truck two, truck ten, Inland eighty-two, battalion two, fire ten twenty North Main. Help is on the way.
0: Welcome back to Chicago's bravest stories. Me and uh, this fellow right here just got back from uh, a workout for uh, Brian Kalaga's, uh niece Nicole Laddick. With us today is uh, Alex Griff. What's up, buddy? Not much. Thanks for having me. What do you think of that workout today? It was tough. It was
2: (laughs) mentally, physically, emotionally. All of it. (laughs) All of it.
0: For the people who are listening that have no idea what we're talking about, we had a guest in here, Lieutenant Brian Kalaga from Cicero, and it was uh, a memorial uh, uh, hero workout, right? Yep. And uh, the workout was set up in honor of her, and the numbers are significant. Griff, why
2: don't you walk us through what what we did today? So the workout started as it was 25 minutes, as many rounds as possible. So you just keep moving through the movements for the full 25 minutes. And those movements were seven snatches at 155 pounds for men, 105 pounds for women. It was 21 bar facing burpees. So you'll do a burpee, jump over the bar. That's one. And then you will do 20 pull-ups. You'll do that for 25 minutes. As soon as the 25 minutes is over, you pick some sort of weight, and you run 1,994 meters, which signifies the year that Nicole was born.
0: And uh, I know uh, we finished with you and uh, Brian, and uh, what were you guys carrying on your back?
2: Uh, I had 50 pounds, and Brian had 70 pounds. Okay,
0: and Rick and I were wearing the... The uh, the vests uh, the plated vests
2: uh, it was it started to get hot in there
0: it did it, it, it was getting it, warm it got especially got a, got I a feel little like warm
2: we had an audience too so everyone yeah. was in there it was uh, it was definitely getting warm there was a lot of people in there it was it was hot
0: the music was loud it was it was, it was fun um, but uh, yeah definitely a challenging workout the the burpees and the pull ups were definitely uh, tough, especially when you got later on into the, into the workout, like trying to do 20 pull-ups, it got, it, it got, uh, got pretty tough at the end.
2: Yeah. I mean, and you look at like the burpee movement, that's just a terrible movement in itself. Now you throw in an aspect of just jumping over a barbell that's a little bit elevated off the ground. It just adds the extra element of suck, if you will, you know, it's just, it's pretty brutal. So.
0: Yeah, there, there definitely was an element of suck, uh, in there for sure. But in the same, you know, since we are talking about sucking, tell us like, you know, you and I have gone back and forth and, uh, you're definitely one of the experts on the CPAT test. and, uh, you and I kind of share that same space in different regards with when it comes to CPAT. Walk us through what, what the CPAT is for, uh, you know, some of these, uh, listeners that don't know.
2: Okay. So CPAT's the candidate physical abilities test. Um, It's used by basically 90% of the fire departments throughout the United States and parts of Canada at this point. It's a eight event test that must be completed in 10 minutes and 20 seconds. And everything that has involvement with the test has something to do with the fire ground. Some type of movement or exercise that you will be doing, whether you're training, whether it's live fire, or you know, the real situation when you face. So it's pretty much as close as you can get to what you'll be feeling on the fire ground. So event number one is usually the hardest event. It's three minutes, 20 seconds on a stairmaster. That stairmaster is moving at 60 steps a minute and you're wearing a 75 pound weight vest. And we see there that anybody can kind of jump on a Stairmaster, but when you throw that 75 pounds on your back, that usually could be a deal breaker if you're not training properly yeah, for it. You don't start at the 60 right away, though. The, yeah, the first part's 20 seconds at 50 steps a minute, and that does not count as part of the actual test. But as soon as that little warm-up phase is over, that's just kind of get your footing, see how you're going to have your hands then the test actually starts, and it's just it's the three minutes at the sixty steps a minute. That's one you just have to muscle out. You just you gotta just dig in. Yeah, and the big thing is you don't know your time. You don't see your time. the 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 scoreboard, if you will, is moved, so you won't see it. You can't ask the proctors how that, much time you have that's left. A,
0: that's a CPAT requirement that you're not allowed to give the time.
2: Right. That's that's actually per the IFF. And IFC guidelines for the test, and I I would prefer it that way because I feel like I would just be clock watching and like wow I got a long way to go. Yeah. But now you're just kind of like put but that a, out on of your the other way. hand.
0: Like if you're close and you know that you're running out of gas, and if the guy says you got ten more seconds, I think you can find more ten more seconds. But if you think you got another minute to go,
2: it could it's wind tough. up. And they'll, they'll, the proctors will give them a countdown the last five seconds at two minutes and 55 seconds. So we will see people that you're like, you want to help them, but you can't. And then you're like, "Uh, okay, five, four, you know, and then you're, you just got to push through it at that point, but that's just the beginning. Right. So you got to get through that initial, you know, part of the test, which is usually one of the hardest events.
0: you know, I'd venture to say that it is the hardest part out of all the stations. And when people come trained by us, that's the thing that they're really focusing on because if you
2: can't get past that stairs, there's no sense in training for anything else. Right. Absolutely. Cause you got seven things to go and yeah. you you don't necessarily know what those are going to do to you, you know, physically and, or, you know, we've been talking about it mentally, you know, yeah. for that aspect of it. But yeah.
0: So then uh, you're, you come off the stairs, your legs are burning, your lungs are burning, you
2: take some weight off. Yeah. There's two 12 and a half pound shoulder weights, which is, Take those off. There's your 25 pounds. Now you do the rest of the test with a 50-pound weight vest. So in between every single event is a walk line that you have to follow, and that's 85 feet. So the 85 feet is designated as like your recovery, but we tell every candidate don't use that as recovery. Just get move with a purpose. You can't run, but you can walk as fast as you can walk before you break that threshold of running. So if you – Take your time. Usually, we'll see people run out of time. But if you're really digging on those lines and you're feeling comfortable, you'll you'll be you'll be in good shape. So, from event number one to event number two is the 85 feet, and then once you get to event number two, there's 200 feet of uncharged inch and three quarter hose. You have to now drag that uh, 75 feet around a set of drums. You make a quick 90. And you have the hose hits those drums, and it just acts as a little resistance. You go another 25 feet, you drop down to one knee, and now you pull 50 feet of that hose hand over hand until it crosses a marker. And then you're ready to move on to event number three. And that's not that physically challenging, that part right there. So that's a good time to rest. Yeah. You can catch your breath. And that's the only event that you can actually run during. So we will tell candidates, if you feel good, go ahead and run. You know, I don't recommend an all-out sprint because coming off the stairmaster, that make could up be, some time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Don't don't just walk, jog, do something because you can't do
0: that anywhere else. It's a good it's a good place to test to bank some time if you're running out toward the end.
2: Absolutely. So uh, you get the hose drag, then what's next? So it's going to be the tool carry. So you're going to walk another 85 feet, and there's basically a cabinet that's simulating a compartment of an engine or a truck and you have to take two saws, and you make a 150-foot round-trip walk with these saws. One saw weighs 35 pounds. One saw weighs 28 pounds. can't drop them. You can't run. You can stop and reposition, but once you walk 75 feet one way, you go around a barrel, walk 75 feet back, and you have to put them right back in the But there's cabinet. a procedure to take them out and, and put them back, right? Yeah, so you have to grab each saw one at a time put it on the ground, grab the next saw one at a time, put it on the ground, pick them up, and go. Yeah, you can't just grab them out of the cabinet and start heading down there. Yeah, road. and at any point during the event, if you were to drop them just from a standing position, there's no warnings. They just fail you automatically for yeah. you know equipment failure, dropping equipment. So, And okay. then you come back, same thing. One touches the ground, goes in. Second one touches the ground, goes right back in the cabinet. Okay. And that's another not-too-physically-taxing
0: portion of it because— you're you're gonna start getting into some of the meat potatoes of the CPAD from here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is one of those ones you can easily train for. Just carry heavy objects around, yeah. and you kind of get used. So to before we before we get further into that, how did you get involved in that? So just kind of always had a little bit of a you know a fitness background. Coached at a few CrossFit gyms, and there was basically some scuttlebutt about where I work, maybe it's twenty-four, starting a CPAT center, something that I always had interest in. And they had a position opening for coordinator. And I put in for it, interviewed for it, again with the kind of the background that I had in that fitness realm. I ended up getting the spot. So, and then from there, you got to go to, you got to go to school then. Yeah. So I had through the IFF, they have a certification called peer fitness trainer, just a 40 hour class. And basically it's what it is. You can help your peers better themselves. If you have a good labor management relationship within your fire department, you can actually design things for guys that are out on injury to get them back into the swing of things, light duty fitness tests to get them back on the line. And uh, they really like that because the IFF says, if you want to run a CPAT center, we highly recommend that one person has that certification. And I just happened to have it and it was a benefit for me. And, you know, I just. Where'd you have to go for that? So I actually went to Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Fire Department hosted it. There's usually only about eight classes a year and they fill up really quick. So that was the closest one to us, put in for it, got it and went down there and it was, it was a beneficial class. They had some pretty high-level, you know, they had some doctors in there talking about movement and science and all that. So You actually work out at these classes, don't you? Yeah, know? absolutely, yeah. every it's day. Not just, it's not just textbooks and PowerPoints. You're, you're actually moving. Yeah, they, uh, because the host department actually gets a list of equipment that they need to purchase for the class. And every single day, even up to the last day, you are doing some type of fitness. And it would be like for you and I, I monitor your movements. And then you would monitor my movements and we would make the necessary, you know, call out points of performance, you know, any corrective action that needs to be, you know, made if there was an injury, look like, you know. So, yeah, they do They do a pretty nice job. And it's guys from all, they're all firemen. So they're all, you know, without, you know, a couple of those guest speakers aren't, but majority of the instructors are firemen from all over the country. And it was really cool, low key. You know, it was a a fun class. So are you, do you really feel that, the CPAT
0: test represents a good um, like overall idea of what it's like to be a fireman.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it is the most legitimate test out there for fire ground operations. Absolutely. Cause it, it's a hard test. It's not, you know, if you're not doing some type of training, yeah, there might be that freak athlete out there that can come in and just do whatever. But most of the time we are, handing out training routines or getting phone calls about how do I train for this? And if you're not, we, we usually know right away after, you know, during or before event number one. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this.
0: Let's say you have somebody who's been sedentary for years. Let's say that this person hasn't worked out. Now they got a letter saying that you've been accepted to this fire Academy show up here with your CPAC card and now that person needs to get that CPAT and they haven't done anything. What's your advice to that person?
2: As soon as you get that letter, you need to start doing something. You got to start moving because get an idea of what the events are and you can do that right on YouTube and do your best to mimic those events in some shape, some fashion. It doesn't got to be anything crazy, but you need to start moving. And for that person, that exact person that you're talking about, I would say, depending on kind of their past physical level or activity, three to six months is a time, a, a, a time frame for people to really want to hit a good training you know, benchmark. And a lot of things are going to come into play with that. You know, your nutrition, your sleep, but you re- you got to just get yourself in the gym and start moving. You know, hire a trainer if you, if you can, if you have the means, give them the CPAT test. Have them build a program. Call us. You know, we, we have some generic stuff that we will hand out. But um, absolutely, you just got to start. I've seen this a bunch of
0: times. People have shown up by us after they've already gone to a trainer to try to move them through. And the limitations for a trainer is, number one, they're not they're not familiar with what this test is or they've never been exposed to it. They don't understand it. And number two, they may not have the... They're limited to the equipment that they can use to train. You maybe anybody can go buy a weight vest and find a stairmaster. At the very least, if you do anything, get you know, order yourself a weight vest yeah. and just slowly but surely start getting putting reps in on that that stairmaster. But the the personal trainer, I, I I've seen that a couple times. And you know, some people have great success and other people the these trainers just have no experience with what that test involves and what actually, you know, what it takes to, to get through that test.
2: Yeah, it would be one of those where, you know, definitely finding that right. You know, I mean, number one, I would always suggest like a CrossFit gym. You know, yeah. they're the most, I think, especially in our line of work, the most well-versed, um, whether it be police, fire, you know, EMS, you know, and their equipment, isn't as limited as it would be if you went to an export or some type of Charter Fitness or something yeah. like that. You know, you can't be banging on the concrete wall at uh, Charter Fitness. Yeah. But, you but know. I definitely think that you should find somebody.
0: Yeah. Um, it's not something, especially if you need a lot of help, that's definitely something you don't want to get into on your own. Absolutely. Let's leave uh, CPAT and the back burner for now. Uh, mm-hmm. How long have
2: you been a fireman? So I graduated the Fire Academy in 2004. Have you been with uh, Hazelcrest your whole time? Uh, So I was in Hazelcrest part-time from 06 to about the middle of 07. Left for a short period of time, and then I got hired back there September 30th, 2010. What did you do in between that? I went to, I was on the contract in Plainfield, and then I worked as a part-timer in uh, Posen. Okay. So. What department were you working at when you got your first fire? Dixmore. Oh, yeah?
0: Yeah, which is no longer a fire department at this point,
2: but yeah. But they were in that group
0: with like... Robbins and Harvey, like where they just burned. It was great and that
2: was that was two thousand four, two thousand five. The heyday. A little bit of two thousand six and I wasn't even twenty one years old and it was just a great place for a fireman to get experience. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of good relationships, guys I still talk to today. And uh, yeah, I mean the experience that kind of set that groundwork. So, so you were on Dixmoor, and like, were you guys short-staffed? And yeah, I mean, I think we maybe only had three or four people. Yeah, and that was on a good day. And so, how did it come in? So we were. In, it was in actually town? no, it was actually in Robbins. Yeah, but we were so close, we always got there at the same time because they were in the same, you know, same yeah. position as yeah. we were. So yeah, it was just a possible structure fire. They got on scene shortly before us, gave the report. Heavy smoke, heavy fire showing. It was a raised ranch. Uh, Dixmore engine only? Yeah, engine. It was a Dixmore engine. I think at the time would have been, of course, Robbins, and maybe like a Midlothian squad, an LSIP truck, you know, that little area right there. So you guys pull up as second engine? Yeah, we were second due. And uh, Robbins had a line on the ground. And they were short-staffed, so they went to go get a water supply. You grabbed the line? That's it. It was yeah, sitting right there, boy. right at the front door. What are you going to do? Yeah, we're you... not just going to let it sit right. there. So, yeah, we went in, and we had the whole living room back of the building, and it was just a it, – it was it was a wake-up call, like, yeah. oh, like, this, is, this isn't a tower. This isn't a, a flashover simulator. Like, this is real. Yeah. So it was – yeah, and then –
0: just, that was it, man. Huh? Yeah,
2: and then from there it was like, okay, you're you're hooked. You know, <laughs> yeah. what do I got to do next? Where? Do, right. how, how can I get another fire and department? More chances to go to fires? Right. And then what was it, another ten years before you touch the nozzle again? <laughs> <laughs> I was always looking. I still always look for it. Who's got it? Where is it at?
0: So, but yeah, that was that was it. Yeah. So you leave. Uh, so the your whole time at Dixmoor, you're like trying to get into a full time department,
2: right? Yeah, because I was still working on. Because I was actually at Dixmoor. The same time I started Hazelcrest as a part-timer. So I was working a few places because I was still working on getting into medic school. You know, that's, of course, you know, at that time too, 06, you had to be a fire medic. So, and I got into medic school while I was in Hazelcrest. And that was one of the things too that kind of took me away from there. I just needed to focus. Where did you go for medic school? Ingles. Ingles? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I got through Ingles um, and then playing field contract as that was my only, you know, Plainfield field contract, and then posing as a medic. You know, I had a couple other places in the interim, you know, just as a fireman kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, and then 2010 came around, Hazelcrest was testing, and I pretty much still knew everybody there. And I loved it when I was there because it was another place that was, you know, it was Markham, Harvey, Country Club Hills, just a good area in the south suburbs. And I was like, that's definitely where I want to be. And, uh, it was easy transition. Cause you went from part-time to full-time. That yeah. Part, so. Yeah. And you know, but I, same thing, you know, I went in there just with that brand new guy mentality. Did is, you, did you feel like you had to start all over again from being the new guy? Um, no, but I, I felt just from a traditional, like a history standpoint of just be a good probationary guy, just do your, yeah. you know, just keep your mouth shut. Just go in there. Yeah. The guys know you, but still, you know, make that impression. Don't come in like, oh, I was here part time. Was the dynamic different
0: because now you went from part-time to being a full time guy with because you were interacting with
2: the same guys you're mm-hmm. working
0: with now as a full time guy. Was was that dynamic different?
2: Uh you know, a little bit. You yeah. know, I think there's always a little bit of that when you're in a career department, you know, union guys, part-time guys. I think there's always that. But as soon as I came in you know it was you know guys started jagging you right away and yeah. guys that i have worked with you know been on the engine with or ambulance with um there was you know we didn't kind of skip a beat and then I, it was for them i think you know there was a and for me also there was a comfort level they knew me they went to fires with me and vice versa you know so all the i knew you know I had worked for all the lieutenants at the time when i was part-time none of those guys had changed so it was uh it was an easy it, it was an easy transition but I still, you know, I played that role. I walked the line. You know, I thought that was the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. You had uh, good officers coming up.
2: Yeah. I mean, I had some of, it's two guys that I still talk to about, you know, maybe getting promoted. And one of them, Kevin Sears, was really my first, like, real lieutenant at a fire department. You know, and yeah. I, mean, I had, had some good fires with Kevin at Hazelcrest. Um, and even when I got hired full time, he was still there. Mm-hmm and you know, he's a guy today, you know, we talk probably once a week, once every couple of weeks, but anytime I have a question, whether I'm acting up or I just get something like whether we're training somewhere, Kevin's a guy that I just, I go to right away. Well, he's a
0: good guy to go to and he's, we're doing a project with him with, uh, Genesis tools, which will be out soon. We're, we're, it's in the works, but, uh, we're collaborating with, uh, Kevin and, uh, he's an awesome guy. And, uh, you know, look forward to these um, quick tips that uh, uh, are going to show up on uh, video for uh, for Kevin in uh, this podcast. So, walk us through like your. I know you'd ar- you'd already been a part time guy at, at Hazelcrest, but now that you're a full time guy, your responsibilities are a little different now. Now that you're a full time guy, how they how they bring you up uh, in that in that uh, department?
2: Well, so I mean. When you're part time, depending on your qualifications or not, you know, you're usually not on the ambulance. You know, you're always on the engine or the truck. And when you become full time, okay, now it's time to pay your dues like all the other full time guys have. So you go to the ambulance for a year. You sit on that ambulance, you you know, you'll still go just a year? Yeah, they put you on. And then you, you're you still basically on that ambulance after the year, but you get into the rotation a little bit more. I think after your year, you get one day off. Yeah. So you're still 10 shifts a month, you know, Kelly here and there. But Are, are your, your sh- trucks and engines ALS then? Uh, they are not. Okay. They're actually, at this point, the engine is just starting to transition to be an ALS engine. Okay. So... Um, once you are done with your year, and during that year, you know, you're training on pump driving, drive-in, you're getting all your drive time done. So when that year's over, you're into a rotation. You know, you're driving here and there, you're riding backwards here and there, but basically you're still primarily on that ambulance. And the only way you're moving up is when people retire, people leave for other departments, new guys come in. And it's, a, you know, kind of just a pecking order. And I love it. I think it's great. I love this. When you're on the ambulance, though, if you guys get a fire, does that ambulance go? Is it a jump company? Yeah. So it would depend. Usually if you're on probation, you're always jumping. Yeah. So that probationary guy can get the experience. And then we would leave a guy back. Now with our manning a little bit more, we'll leave two guys back to, you know, run runs, through, you know, throughout the city or whatnot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that probationary guy is always going out of town. You know, or in in town, he's jumping on the engine because he's going to stick with the senior guy or the Yeah. Well, that's got kind of a a nice system, huh? Yeah. You know, it works out well because he's getting good experience on the ambulance, and then he's going to every fire. Yeah. The guy on probation is going to every single fire. Out of town, he's par- partnered up with the lieutenant. In town, he's on the nozzle. Yeah. You know, so well, that, that's
0: awesome. Like, it kind of eases the fact that you're on the ambulance to know that if you get a fire, you're going. You're going. Yeah. You know? And I think Not that's only are great, you going,
2: but they're going to put you on the pipe. And I and I think that's a great way to learn. Yeah, you know, because I mean, you can't. Yeah, you know, you got to earn your keep. But how are you going to learn if you're on a hydrant every day? Yeah, you know. So I do like that. How you know, and it's structured pretty much the same way. Even as our Manning has continued to grow to this day, we pretty much have that same structure, same setup. Yeah. So now, when you
0: got your first fire as a full time guy, what was different between? that and when you were at Dixmoor you know what I you know not t- kind of like a, a engine cowboy yeah you know <laughs> it's just
2: not not too much of a difference. I think the difference was like you're, you're a career guy this is your home you know but yeah. as far as everything you know just, open the nozzle, put water, put water on the fire. And yeah. not, not too much has changed in that aspect for me. It was kind of like, okay, you know what you need to do? You just know how to lead out better. That's it. You know, you're doing it more. You didn't have to lead out on the first one. <laughs> no, they let out for yeah. me. The nozzle is just at the front door. <laughs> but yeah, now you lead out a Did little bit Did you get out and was like,
0: where's my nozzle? I don't know. Yep.
2: Nobody said. Yeah. That was it. Like, okay, I guess they're going in. You know, we'll <laughs> see you later. <laughs>
0: Anything that really comes to mind during that like your first year or so over there, like any, like really ridiculous shit happened while you were over there?
2: Um, You know, it was still, we were still really busy. I mean, you know, it's still one of the busier fire departments in the South Suburbs, but I felt like at the time we were just always working in like Harvey or Markham. But the one thing that I will never, I'll never forget. And a lot of people don't even believe us when we tell this story. I was on probation and we got a call for a overturned semi-truck on like an exit ramp of like 294, or I-80 over 294. Well, when we got there, it was an overturned semi-truck full of cattle. (laughs) And the cattle, we got there, cattle's running everywhere, and some of them actually fell off the on-ramp onto the expressway underneath us, landing on cars. It, It was like one of those things like, this is not real. And then we're in the ambulance treating a patient who had a cow fall on his hood. And all of a sudden you just hear this loud bang. Well, my partner and I just look out the back window really quick. And it's a state trooper shooting one of these cows because it's running around all crazy, running into cars. And it's just like, okay, this is, where's the camera? So is it, was, this? it was raining cows. At literally, literally. And it was one of the most unique things that I'm sure I will ever ever see, but that was on while I was on probation, and I will never forget that. Just, <laughs> just a freak accident of sorts, but yeah, it's and nobody got killed. Nope, nobody got killed except a couple cows. Well, uh,
0: could you imagine that you're just driving your car and
2: a fucking cow line? It's like something out of a movie. You see it, you see it happen in movies, you know. But yeah, that was that was some crazy shit that happened the first year I was there. Yeah. You know? Let's get back to this uh, ridiculous CPAT test. Yes.
0: The dreaded CPAT test. You're recommending that if you've led a sedentary life. Well let's let's talk about like realistic goals for people who show up at who show up at by you to take their test and you know, this person's got ten seconds on the stairs before they they quit, they are disqualified for grabbing on or whatever. What do you tell that person?
2: I mean, we'll give them, all the proctors are pretty well trained in the whole CPAT thing. So when they either, if they fail or even before, if they're asking questions, we just give them all the basic tips and tricks on what to do. But the big thing is if they do fail on the stairs, we'll tell them, listen, don't sign up for a test next week. The test isn't cheap. And obviously you possibly aren't a full-time employee anywhere yet. So you, know, you might be working part time, 140, 160 bucks a crack starts to add up after a while. Yeah. So we'll give them wherever they fail, we'll give them their tips and their tricks on hey, this is what you should be doing. Take it, leave it, you know, because again, it is a business. You know, we yeah. want to run as many people as we can, but we also look at it from the standpoint too is that person might end up working with us. Yeah,
0: that's the thing I was about to say, like you know, so that guy might be taking that CPAT because he's gonna fill a spot over by you.
2: Yeah. So we definitely we and that's I think separates us from a lot of organizations is we do all the proctors take some stock and some pride into each and every candidate. You know, we there's a conversation, you know, even if it's as little as, hey, where are you testing? Oh, good luck. You know, that good luck might boost their confidence just enough to, you know, help them through some tough time on that stairmaster. But Yeah, you know, just the basic tips and tricks on because they'll every proctor's watching, you know, and if I'm watching, you know, and they ask me, you know, we'll give them whatever advice we think is going to help them pass that test because you got to take it. There's places you can't even turn in the application without that CPAC card, there's places that if you show up for orientation, you have to have a CPAC card, so that you know, you're not going to avoid it at this point, no. That's the, that's the, and the fire departments know that because the fire departments, it's all third party. They don't have to worry about hiring guys back for overtime. They don't have to worry about something falling off their ladder truck for the old, you know, ladder climb. Cause like, even when I took Hazelcrest, they had their own physical agility test. And part of it was climbing 105 foot main, you know, where's the liability in that someone gets hurt, someone falls. Now, none of that comes into play. So every fire department, and if they're not they are slowly transitioning into making everyone get a CPAP.
0: This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho Physical Therapy. I'm here with Dahlia Fami, owner of Sports and Ortho Physical Therapy, where they specialize in rehabilitation of police and fire. Hi, Dahlia.
2: Hi, Vince. How are you? Thanks for having me back.
0: So what do or what can our members do to come in and see you guys?
2: really easy events. They just call us up and make an appointment. So, and I can guarantee they won't be disappointed. And usually people definitely learn a lot about their bodies while they come see
0: us. Uh, Sports and Ortho is a private practice specializing in the care of police and fire members. You can look them up at sportsandortho.net. Call them to make an appointment. Dahlia, thanks again for being here. One last question for you. What if it's a work injury?
2: That's a good question. So you can still ask for us. We're part of the City of Chicago Workers' Compensation Network. So there should be no issues if we are requested.
0: Thanks, Dahlia, for being here and educating us about the importance of prevention.
2: Always a pleasure, Vince. Thanks. How how bad did COVID affect uh,
0: your program over
2: there? So we shut down for probably about two months. And then we got a very interesting phone call, um, still kind of in the midst of the heart of the pandemic. And it was from Chicago Fire Department. So we've got a history of doing a lot of work with the city. And they called and they're like, listen, we are got all these candidates in the hopper. We want to put these classes through, but we can't get anywhere for them to do their CPAD. What can you do for us? And we helped out a group of about 80 crossovers at one point. They remembered that, so they contacted us. So I went back to my bosses, said, hey, here's the deal. This is an excellent opportunity for us to keep this relationship and keep building on this relationship. So we just implemented a ton of protocols, you know, masks. We were taking temperatures. We had one guy that was only designated to disinfecting. So it was a little bit slower of a process, but there was two good months there where, you know, we had to cancel everything, you know, and that was a lot. There was a lot of candidates that, you know, couldn't get their CPAT. So once we opened back up specifically for the Chicago Fire Department, next thing you know, that word got out. So everybody's calling, all these fire departments are like, hey, we noticed that your schedule's back up and running. Well, yeah, technically we're waiting for these candidates to sign up. You know how that goes. You know, when you put it on the candidate, it's like, Either they're going to wait till the last minute or they're not going to do it. So we just started opening up all days. And we were starting to take every fire department that needed to put their recruits through or their candidates that were waiting to get hired. And we just, and thankfully with the due diligence of all the proctors, they're a great group of guys, great team. We didn't have one single COVID case that we know of come out of Mabus 24 CPAP, both from a candidate side and the proctor side. And everybody was very, you know, everyone had their masks on. The disinfecting policy was, you know, very strict. Did, they ha- did the candidates have to take the test with masks on? No, that was optional to them. If they wanted to, they could. All the proctors had face coverings, safety glasses. So the proctors were protected. And we explained that to... Because that would skew the test a little bit, don't you think? It would. Yeah. It would. Because we actually got a letter from the IFF. We had two letters. One, they recommended just shutting down. They didn't want us to run. Well, again, it's not necessarily their, you know, business per se. And then two, once they found out we were the only CPAT center that was running, um, quite possibly in the state and the country, because I was talking to a couple places in Florida. They contacted me and said, okay, we want a detailed list of your COVID protocols. And then they actually started sending that out to other CPAT centers. So pro... Uh, COVID protocols didn't exist until you made them. And yeah, then the only protocols were being used by other... Yeah, because the only thing the IFF said is we do not recommend running CPAT at this time. Well, let, let's let put things into perspective with in regards to the IFF. So
0: they license the CPAT, right? Yep. And, and you pay like what would be the same as like an affiliate yep. fee, right? So you can't like exist without the... The international
2: right right so we okay. we pay them five thousand dollars a year to hold the license they're just like a medical director that's they, yeah. they sign our paramedic license basically and if we violate any rules if we have some type of crazy egregious mistake they can pull that license so they you know they're they're they have a watchful eye over their limited license holders because it's ultimately their name on it you yeah. know if it goes to lawsuit they actually are the ones that supply the, the teams and everything that'll help well, I, us. I
0: don't think you can say if it goes a lawsuit because they've fought many lawsuits Yeah. Uh, regarding this test. And I, I remember reading back when I was doing homework on the CPAT test, there was a little disclaimer in there that at any point they could require you to video certain aspects of the test on their behalf to... Um, because of some lawsuit, right?
2: Yeah, so what we did with that is we have a camera. We have basically one eye in the sky that's all motion detected. And, it,
0: and what, what is that, like, They in case they, does everything get videoed? Not,
2: so for us, everything is videoed. Okay. As soon as you move on that course, the camera's running. Until that, it,
0: that's a liability thing for you guys, right? Yeah,
2: and because here, if a candidate feels that they were unfairly proctored, Right. And they do go to the IFF. The IFF is going to do their due diligence. Now they might necessarily ask for film, but if they do, we can give them the film and say, "Listen, here's what the proctor did, here was the candidate's violation." The IFF will look at it and say, "Okay, you know what? Or they'll just take our, you know, word for it, or we will hand over certain paperwork like say the candidate waived his right to an orientation." Have you ever heard of that
0: um since you've been doing this that a candidate has filed a lawsuit stating
2: of like unfair practices or unfair testing? No lawsuits, but they have complained to the IFF, but there has not been any type of lawsuit. Is the complaints mostly just proctor to candidate issue? Yep. That's all it is. Usually like, well, he failed me for this. Yeah. And then it's documented. Why did they fail? And the first question usually is like, well, did they do orientation? No. Because if you don't do orientation, you come in, sign, okay, go with that proctor, take your test. Well, that's a,
0: another 100% thing that you should do if you're challenging this CPAT test right away is get that orientation. It, that's a huge thing that you need to
2: get done. Absolutely. It's, not, it's a benefit. So we did a little study. I think we had a, uh, it was last year, or the year before, it wasn't a COVID year, but we, it was like a 70% pass rate to candidates that took orientation versus that didn't take orientation. Really? Like, it was just, it was wild because we actually put you out on the course. We walk you, we talk to you. You're not timed. You're not just timed. You can ask any question you want. And you just could, that You can benefit. play with any prop. Yep. We let them put their hands on it. It's just a benefit for them. Yeah, it's 100%. Just unbelievable. So we always tell them, like, if you, you should, especially if you, you know, going back to your, you know, subject that you used, hasn't done anything in three to six months, the test isn't only... Physical. You have to follow directions. If you start walking the wrong way, the proctor gives you one chance to get back in line. If you don't get back in line, they just fail you. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to see a test prior to taking it? Yeah, and that's why, why would not you want to take so advantage of that? Here's because everyone who does know a little bit about the CPAT will say, "Well, it's the same test." Absolutely, it is the same test. You take it in Alaska, Alabama, Illinois. It's the same exact test. But the only difference that there is is the building that it's housed in. So I've seen facilities that we have set up that you're taking 10 turns yeah. to get the 85 feet. So those sometimes could be hard to follow. So they're like, well, if it's the same test, I don't need an orientation. But the test literally could be different. Now yes, events 1 through 8 are the same 85 feet from event to event. They're all the same equipment's the same, but how you get there and what you have to go around could be something. Well, what's different. unique about your place is you have a big facility.
0: There are CPAD centers that are just in the bays of certain firehouses, and you have to have those 85 feet. So those lines keep crossing each other. Yeah. And you could get completely turned around and confused if you're not paying attention.
2: Absolutely. And once you go off the mark there, you're done. Yeah. Like, so for us, every line is a new color. So it does help. We'll yeah. be like, okay, follow the orange line. You just stay on that line till you get to where you need to go. But I have seen facilities, for example, they have all white lines. yeah, And they, like you said, they're crossing all over the place. I looked at it when we did like the validation. I looked and I was like, I'm lost. I don't even know where I would be going right now if I didn't have someone like literally pointing every step of the way. Yeah.
0: So You know, another thing that I don't think people can appreciate is Every little piece of equipment that you have to have for that CPAT, you have to get through that authorized dealer. You can't just go to Home Depot and get a pair of gloves, right. which are, you could get those gloves at Home Depot, mm-hmm. but you have to get them from that CPAT place. You have to get the helmets. You have to get, everything has to be the same. There is that, that transparency of the test is the same. The equipment is going to be the same, but for you to replace that, you, you know, you can't fix a prop by going to Home Depot and making something that you can fix yourself or whatever. Everything has to be. And from what I I mean, you're, you're paying a premium for this stuff.
2: It is. It's a, you know, there's a good cost that is associated with starting up a CPAT and, yeah. you know, purchasing the equipment, whether you're training with it or whatnot. But it, there is a premium on that. Yeah.
0: So anybody who thinks that that part of the test is unfair or skewed or whatever, you
2: can't, you can't change that. Yeah. Like that's yeah. nothing. I have people yeah. all the time that bring their own gloves and I tell them you can't wear those yeah. and they get mad at me. I'm like, listen, this is a, not my rule. Yeah. If you have an issue with this, here's the number for you to call. But other than that, yeah, we have every, like, and you know, we have so much equipment, you know, we're always, we have new stuff. We have some stuff that's worn, but uh, we have enough for however many people. Cause I mean, we're doing 40 to 50 people every testing. Day. Do you get, do you get audited uh, at a certain rate? So the IFF at any time can come in and do an audit. Anytime okay. they want paperwork, course, they'll measure your walk lines. If you don't have that audit and you set up a CPAT center, um, they basically it could be on an honor system, or you can hire a third-party company to come and do it for you. Proctor, yeah. do your trainers, proctor, you know, get your training done for their proctors, get the course validated. All that can be done by a third-party. But company.
0: there's there's nothing saying
2: that. Uh, at least once a year, they're going to come in there. Nope. They'll tell you, like, hey, at any time we can, but nothing on like specific time frames. Have you guys been audited? No.
0: No? Mm-mm. Okay. I'm going to make a phone call. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I know
2: the guy pretty well.
0: Call him. Tell him I said hi. Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> Here's the other thing when people show up, What's your recommendation for what they should be wearing? Shorts, sweat, or you know, shorts better than sweats, or gym shoes better than any recommendations on what these guys should be showing up? A sweatshirt versus a t-shirt, like anything, because for some people this comes down to seconds. Yeah. Uh, whether they pass or fail, so, so any recommendations on that?
2: Right off the get-go, per the rules and regulations, no shorts are allowed. So you can't have shorts. If you walk in and you have shorts on, we turn you around and say. Go, there's a Home Depot, there's a Menard, there's a Walmart, go get some pants. Yeah. Um, so no no shorts, no open-toed shoes or open-heeled shoes. So you have to have gym shoes, sweatpants, running pants. I would say whatever you're comfortable in is a long pants and a gym shoe. The lighter, the better when you're out there. You know, you already got extra weight with you, so why wear steel-toed boots? Um, why wear Carhartt pants? You know, it's just wear things that are comfortable for your movements that you're going to be doing. I wouldn't wear high tops. No. Yeah. You know, I definitely wouldn't wear, you know. Maybe some, Chuck Taylors. You know, I mean. That wouldn't be a bad choice. Yeah, something nice flat, you know, but yeah. a comfortable gym shoe. something that And something that's not, like, brand new. Something yeah. that you've trained in. And if you're training in a specific attire, just wear that attire to the test. Whatever you're doing outside, you're creating that muscle memory. You're creating something that's going to prepare you for this test. Why change anything up at the last minute? Now, like when we run it, our proctors are running it all the time. We're always running in duty boots and pants. You know, just, you know, add add that little extra element. But uh, once you throw gym shoes on, you're like, it's a whole new world. It's like you're running on pillows out there kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, whatever you're going to train in, wear that to the day of the test. So so anything comfortable. T-shirt for sure. Don't wear a long, I mean, you could wear a long sleeve, like those long sleeve light t-shirts kind of, yeah. but don't wear a sweatshirt. Don't wear a hoodie. It's just one, it doesn't fit well with the weight vest that you're wearing and now you're going to be uncomfortable. But two, you want to be as cool as possible when you're running you're through gonna that You're going to be test. sweating. Oh yeah. You, yeah. There's no, event number one, you're coming off and you're going to be dripping sweat. Yeah. That's it. Well, here's,
0: here's the big one for that um, I wanted to ask you, because I think, this is as important as anything else. What, uh, what is your recommendation for nutrition prior to the test and nutrition? Do you recommend that these people eat before the test or they fast before? What, what's, what do you think is
2: your recommendation for it? So first and foremost is hydration. So make sure you're hydrating the night, the day, two days before your test. Good amount of water, good amount of fluids. Stay away from anything that's got a lot of sugar. Stay away from the pre-workouts. Stay away from, we see guys walking all the time, Red Bull, Monsters, Bangs. Don't be drinking that stuff before. You know what's basically acting as a diuretic for things that you need inside Those will mess you up. They will. Especially coming off, like, you come off those stairs and you're going to be burping up Red Bull or Monster or whatever. That's a long day. Yeah, you're not going to have a good run at that. Um, So as far as the nutrition portion we have different test times throughout the day. So orientation starts at nine. First testing sessions at nine forty-five. Our last testing sessions at twelve forty-five. If you're going at twelve forty-five, eat something during the day. Eat something a little bit earlier, maybe about 10 o'clock. Have a decent breakfast. You get, know, nothing, get some carbs, right? Yeah, get carbs yeah. are going to be your friend for that. Carbs you know? so, the night before too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because what you eat today is going to fuel whatever you're doing tomorrow yeah you know that's your old rule of thumb with that if you're a nine o'clock or nine forty-five test i would say in the morning apple banana big thing of water and you're going to be good to go something with the the quick sugar yep don't yeah. be stopping at mcdonald's for a breakfast burrito Definitely chug some applesauce. That's a good one. Seriously, yeah, it's something that's going to give you that quick hit because you're going to need it for that test. You're just gonna—it's ten minutes and twenty seconds. So yeah, it puts you in a certain state. You know, you're running a little bit longer there, but yeah, you want to be on an empty stomach. Like for today, for example, for ours, like I didn't eat. I didn't eat either. Nothing. You know, because for something like that, I almost feel like weighed down. You know, groggy. Yeah, cause that's
0: just your. It's a. It's one more thing for that workout that we did today. That's one more thing that
2: could go wrong. Yep. And you there's know. already a lot going wrong, right? You know? So, <laughs> but yeah, that would be definitely the hydration thing is huge. Yeah. You know, and yeah, we talked. You do have those people that can just come in and pass, but I would definitely recommend not having any beers the night before, you know, yeah. take, take that one night off, if you, you know, and just. Right. You, you get,
0: can, you, you can go for 10, 10 minutes to 20 yeah. seconds without. Yeah. Cause
2: yeah. I mean, this is your career. This could be, yeah. this could be, I've had people that have come in and said, listen, I need this today for a full-time career job. If I yeah. don't get it today, I age out. Or if I don't get it today, they're passing me on the list. Have, have you me. had that situation where yeah. if they didn't come in past that CPAT, they're aging out? Yeah. And, and that's and, tough, and right? They failed. Yeah. And it's tough for us. You're like, you don't like seeing that, yeah. you know, but you really feel. They shouldn't be putting it on you. You didn't create yeah, that situation. That's true. You know, I, I agree with you there, you know, but it's just it kind of like as a human being, you're like, oh, that sucks, man. Like especially you, a human being who's on a career
0: department that you love and you, a career that you love, you can definitely feel for them, but you didn't create that situation. This, this guy didn't pass a CPAT for a reason. Right. And if this job did mean that much to him, that then he should have been doing
2: something prior to that conversation he's having with you where it's now or never. And that's the biggest frustration for me is I've always kind of been one that's got like, I'd like like some organizational setup. I like being prepared. The guys that come in and we'll ask them, Hey, who are you testing for XYZ fire department? Oh, when's the CPAT to tomorrow? Yeah. And then they fail and they're upset with us over, you know, whatever, however they fail. They're just upset in general. Like, Why are we waiting to the last minute? You know this card is going to be good because I have I do have the guys that are proactive that they come in and I'm like I just saw you six months ago. He's (laughs) like yeah, but I don't know, and they you know they come in and get it again and they're good for another year. And so those are the same guys that do really well at their career jobs. Yes, when they get hired, you're like man, I'm happy that he's on this job. Yeah, the guys that are the last minute guys like that is one thing that just it drives me crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I. you know, I get the same thing by us um, at the gym is people give me the same date. Yeah, um, I got a month before I got a, I need the CPAT. Well, you're putting it on me to unfuck 20, 30 years of you not doing anything in one month or a lot of times even less. Yeah. You know, oh, I just failed the CPAT. I heard about your place. Um, I need my CPAT in two weeks.
2: Yeah, well, that's that sucks, man. Where'd you get to? I didn't get off the stairs. Well, you know, yeah, two weeks isn't gonna it's, gonna. it's and I've gotten to the point now where you just you have to be ex, in, as honest as you can. Like, you're not gonna pass it this Saturday if yeah. you failed it on Monday. It's just not. There's no phenomenon out there that is all of a sudden gonna give you that superpower. you you've, you've got to put some time and effort into this, just like anything else. You know, that hard work and preparation is gonna help you succeed and push you past, you know, your goal. But if you don't have that, you know, nothing's going to substitute hard work. Yeah. That's how, all there is. How many
0: people have shown up that you've seen come in and you're like, there's no way in hell this guy or girl is going to pass and then they, they crush it?
2: There, there's a handful, right? Go, yeah, because the proctors all talked. They're like, well, yeah. get the next one ready kind of thing. But then you're like, wow, you know? Yeah. And there is actually this one crazy situation that I'll never forget and we still talk about it. This kid flew in. From California. And he had a job waiting for him in California. You know, since it's a nationally recognized test, you know, our card goes anywhere. And he said that to us. He's like, I have a job waiting for me. Just gotta pass it. Okay, good. Good luck. And he failed it. So he comes up to me after and he's like, Hey, what are my options? And how I was how like, bad did he fail? You know, he was pretty close. I yeah. think he was on his way to event number eight. But still, event he's got some movements that he still has to do with event number eight. So It was kind of like, yeah, you you know, your borderline. Which is a ceiling breach. Ceiling breach and pull, yeah. And uh, he's like, what are my options? I was like, I mean, you really don't have any, but you need it. He's like, can I take it again right now? And I was like, you could pay $140 and you could take it again right now. I go, but I will tell you what. I have never seen anybody take it in the same day and pass it. He's like, well, what if I take, you know, an hour break? It was in the midday. I'm like, we have open slots. So this kid took an hour break when got like he said he had like a banana a protein shake. Came back, signed him up. He paid his hundred and forty bucks. Dude passed it <laughs> on his second on his second try, and we were all just like, "Why didn't you do that the first time?" Yeah, same thing. He was like, oh, "I didn't know really what to expect. I yeah. wasn't you know doing anything for it, but it was kind of like..." And I've never seen anything since, you know, kind of thing. But because uh, it's it's damn near impossible
0: to recover from that, especially if he gotten if he's gotten all the way to the eighth station. Yeah. Your your body's pretty pretty spent at that point. Now this guy's probably jet lag. Yeah, he's he's spent, and now he's gonna try to recover in an hour.
2: I I don't know what the hell kind of banana he had. But <laughs> yes, you're Where are those at? Right. You I want know? to find that banana. But it was uh it was impressive. So we were happy for him, and then he went on his way. But uh, yeah, we get people from out of state. At least every testing day we have. Two to five people, you know, that are from out of state, yeah. all over New York, Connecticut, California. So it's, uh, that's kind of cool to see, you know, that they're finding us of all places. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it's a nice. Well, give uh, people who are looking to find you guys, give them where they
0: can find you and sign up and get a hold of you if they have any other questions.
2: Yeah. So our uh, our website is www.mabus24cpat.org. Or you could just go to Google, type in Mavis24CPAT. We're on Instagram and Facebook under Mavis24CPAT. And then if you want to talk to someone directly, you can call 708-607-CPAT. We actually were able to get CPAT as our last four digits really? of our number through Google Voice. Yeah, and that'll that'll go directly to me. Um, if you want to do an email, it's info at Mavis24CPAT.org. And we'll... Our guys are really good. I got one other guy that I work with, Nick. He's a top-of-the-line IT guy. He's one of my number two guys. We will get back to you within 12 to 24 hours of every email, phone call, text message that you guys give us, and we'll get you whatever you need to do. Yeah.
0: You know what? After that workout we did today, I feel like just giving Kalaga's personal phone number out. <laughs> yes. Are address, you, are you, are you starting to feel your shoulders I am. I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I actually I'm don't. am sitting here talking to you. I'm like, man, my shoulders. What's cold I don't want
2: to get up out of this chair. <laughs> I know, don't think here, I can. So, but, uh, yeah, that was a good one. That was fun. Those are the, those mental grinds are some good <laughs> workouts to put yourself through. So
0: I know you listen to the podcast. At, toward the end here, this is about the time where Corey usually wants to find out, like, any jokes that you've pulled. And uh, I know
2: you guys are a bunch of jokesters over there that he's across. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, some that are, you know, pretty R-rated. But we've, we've had a couple lately where uh, you'll have a guy in the old urinal, and we throw a... Uh, a cookie sheet of flour underneath them. One guy dumps a bucket of water over the top of the stall, the next guy opens up an S C B A and you blow the flour all over him oh, as he's sitting in the stall. That's a nice That's one. been our go to lately. Because we've a, had a we've had an influx of new guys. Yeah. So that's been our uh Did you get Alex with that? You know what? No, but I think Can you actually, do that for me, please? I will. Okay, I will. Even you. though he's off probation it doesn't matter. He's gonna always be on probation. So well, he, yeah, yeah. he's he's just gonna he's repeat. He's on probation to the next guy. He's show, he's gonna be repeat. So oh, but, uh, yeah, that's been our... Uh, that's for, for me, done, please. Done. Okay. Done deal. That's you know, so We'll even see what we can't do to Kalaga next time we're out at Romeoville together.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's get into that, too, because, you know, let's uh, uh, talk about that man. You teach with him over at Romeoville. And, you and, I, you, and I, you and I were talking earlier about, like, probably right prior to you getting there, Romeoville had a little bit of a reputation of being basically a subpar training center. But with the guys like you and uh, Brian and Chief Demas and Rick Ford and, you know, a bunch of really awesome instructors, you guys are really turning that program around over there.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's always, you know, there's always been a good core group of guys. And,
0: And, you know, feel free to throw out the more names that that. I'm not privy to so Yeah,
2: and you know cuz it used to be uh, the Downers Grove Fire Academy and a lot of those guys came from Downers to Romeoville, you know, one a couple guys that just stand off top of my head, Tom Frank, he's a lieutenant in Downers, uh, Earl Moy, he's a retired Downers guy, John Hardy, he's a battalion chief at Downers. Those guys came with Downers to Romeoville and have just been a solid group, you know, an anchor basically for that place that have been there, you know, since the actual inception at Downers. And uh, I think with anything, with academies, businesses, CPAT centers, you're always going to have growing pains. You're always going to have a strong group. You're always going to have kind of that group. You got to find your stride. Right? Yeah. I, you know, right. and everybody does. And I feel like, you know, you get hitched in that group um, of the right people, you know, guys that you look up to and all the guys that I just mentioned are guys that, you know, I always, you know, kind of follow and, you know, from their leadership stuff to their Fireground operational stuff that helps me on a daily basis. Um, I mean, there's so many names that I could name of guys that are just excellent. You know, we can yeah. we could do that till tomorrow. But uh, overall, the reputation of the academy has grown, you know, so much and a lot of hard work from the director. You know, Matt Campbell was a director for a little bit. Now, Chief Mike Pemble's a director. Those guys have put just endless amount of hours into props and instructors and curriculum development. And you can see it, you know, you see it in the CEQs, you see it in the performance of the BOF classes. And it's just, you know, it's come a long way and I see it doing nothing but, you know, keep, to keep growing but you, and growing.
0: you were there
2: since 2009, right? Yeah, I've been and there So since you've,
0: you've got to see that transition to where it is now where you got a top-notch training facility.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because since 2009, I think there's only, you know, there's maybe five to ten of us that are still there. So when we talk about a transition, think about all the new faces that yeah. are now. And that academy is running 365, 24-7. You know, it's there's never something not going on, whether it's logistics work, building out the facilities, whether it's classes, classes on campus, off campus, remote, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's always going on. So yeah, from 09 to now, I mean, it's just unbelievable, especially to just, like I said, the development of new classes and being kind of like the forefront for the new ATF class, you know, where the state came up and used us as like their beta test and said, okay, let's see what happens. Now it's, you know, it's all over the place, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's turned into a good, you know. And, What's your favorite class out there? Uh, so I've got to go with the engine operations class, you know, and that was my program. And yeah. I, just, <laughs> I, love, I love being on an engine, you know, because, I don't know, there's just something about leading out that first line. Yeah. You, know, you can't put out a fire with axes and pike poles. You know, I know all those truck well, guys get well, upset about Kalaga that. Kalaga will disagree with you. He
0: will, but again, you know. He, he, he's flat out said he doesn't
2: know why there are hoses in the back of those engines. I've seen Brian hmm. on an engine before, and it's probably good that he just stays on that truck. Yeah, you know, he yeah, he'll he'll send Snapchats and he'll be like, I don't even know what this thing is. Why that's am hilarious. I on this? Well, did you h- listen to his podcast where
0: he showed up and like there was no engine work being done? Yes. Like, yes. And, and th- it, you know, back then that was the culture. Like it, it, nobody went inside. Nobody yep. did anything. Like, but just to hear those stories. And that's why I love having guys like Brian on, because the way we, things operate now, like you could never imagine that that was like that back then you yeah know? absolutely you send you know 20 truck guys around to a burning <laughs> building and like uh it's not going out
2: yeah it's uh yeah it, it, everything seems to come full circle with that yeah. you know but uh yeah it's a, it's a fun place to work and you know the big thing is too it's like a it's like a big firehouse guys just from all over yeah. different different teams if you will and it's uh you know you're always going to get different opinions you're going to get different techniques tactics all that and uh everyone seems to work pretty well together you know of course you have your personalities and your relationships but you know i think that's with anything uh so yeah it's uh it's definitely a good good spot
0: well cool yeah i'll, I'll give you the the last uh couple of seconds here and uh if there's anything you want to do you want to give that cpat number out again one more time and then uh we'll uh we'll just keep drinking this uh beer here man yeah absolutely what do you, you think of it? Uh, this
2: stuff is this stuff what are you great. drinking over there? that orange sunshine from Illuminated, Illuminated Brew Works. Brew Works. Thank it's you. Excellent. Thank you, Illuminated Brew Works. Very good. It's very good. Yeah. Um, so as far as CPAT goes, like I said, for email, info at Mabus24CPAT.org, and then that number is uh, 708-607-CPAT, 607-CPAT. And uh, if you're coming, if you have any questions, everybody on our team is good. We'll answer any questions we got for you, whether it comes in an email, comes up on uh, Facebook Messenger guys are always going to get back to you so but definitely come in prepared know that it's it's legit it's kind of a real deal so yeah you need it to get a job you know (laughs) it's it's worth it that's the bottom line yeah it's worth it's worth 10 minutes and 20 seconds
0: yeah absolutely just to grind it out hit the go button yeah but uh thanks buddy for coming in Uh, it's a long overdue i'm glad you came in and if you can do me a huge favor since I can't lift my arms, do you mind hitting that, that red yeah, button?
2: Yeah, so I'll tell Kalaga that uh I'm I'm your I'm a repeat guest since I was here. We're gonna before turn us, yours so.
0: even though yours is uh
2: an hour, we're gonna do a two
0: parter. Perfect, just so he doesn't have it. yeah, just so that's, he doesn't have it. that's
2: what I like to hear. For, for making
0: us do that the workout today. All right, well thank you my friend. All right, thanks buddy for coming in.